You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's kick it. Atlanta soccer tonight live from the Kia studios in Midtown Atlanta. I'm Jason Longshore alongside Jessica Charman. And Jess, we have to start with the big game of the day, even though it's going to be a little painful for you. A little painful? A little painful. I was trying to be nice. Uh, England came up short. I thought they played their best game of the tournament, but they came up short against France today, and there are a lot of things to get into from that match. Yeah, there are, and I think I completely agree with you. It was a great game from England, and I think that's what makes it hurt so much as an English fan, right? It just feels like it was the one that got away. It was a, a day of missed chances. It was a day of not burying your opportunities when you were given them, and you were punished by a French side that we knew were going to be capable. I'm very proud of the way this English team played, but I think that's what almost makes it hurt that much more because, again, it just feels like a match that you really could have put away, particularly with that second penalty that I don't really want to talk about, but I know we're going to have to. Well, let's uh, let's work backwards then. Let's start there. Sorry to, to put you through the ringer here in the first segment, <laughs> but it, it, it's where we got to go. Uh, Harry Kane had converted earlier. Should he have taken another penalty? I got mixed feelings about it. Because it's Harry Kane. At the end of the day, he's your captain. He's your leader. He's been clutch from the spot. He took a great penalty. He's consistently good from the penalty spot. I had a couple of misses, but not, you know, anything to worry about. You expect him to be able to score from 12 yards out. However, when you look at the penalty he's taken, he's tried to lift it in order to do a different penalty, in order to throw Lloris in goal. He's taken the big gamble. The minute you try and lift a penalty, you're allowing yourself the opportunity to scuff the lines and sky it like he did. Uh, I think that Harry Kane wanted the penalty, and we've talked a lot about this with shootouts, and it's the same in regular matches, right? The biggest thing about taking a penalty is wanting to, is having the confidence. He believed he was going to take it. You can look around the England squad. Are there players on there that I think could have scored from 12 yards? Yes. But I also didn't expect Harry Kane to sky the penalty, did you? No, I didn't see that coming. I, I thought maybe it gets saved. Um, you do have that really interesting dynamic with club teammates yeah. here. And, and Hugo Lloris has probably seen Harry Kane take thousands upon thousands of penalties during their time at Tottenham. So does that get in your head a little bit? Do you try to do something different to throw a curveball if you do that, in my opinion, and we've talked about this throughout the tournament, I'm never a huge fan of the kind of stutter step or try to get the goalkeeper leaning one way and pass it into the other side. 
But if somebody knows you inside and out, that's a little bit safer than trying to get air under it because you lose that margin for error if you mishit it. And and look, Harry Kane mishit it. He had the the biggest opportunity, not of his England career, although people are going to rewrite it that way. He would have equalized the game. I think if it's 2-2 and it goes to extra time, England has the advantage. They should be able to get it done because France did not look all that confident at any point today. No, I think England understood the game plan, understood how they could handle the French and were able to cut off a lot of the avenues. There were moments where France looked good. We can't discredit their two goals, a worldy strike and a very good build-up play uh, for Giroud's goal as well. But I thought that England handled their business. They were able to have good shape. They were able to use possession well. They created opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity, which is where I think it gets frustrating as well when you look back at the amount of moments they had to score that second goal. It wasn't just the Kane penalty that you look back on misses. It was the Maguire header. It was the Mm. ball that was allowed to bounce around literally inside the six-yard box, and France were able to play it out possessionly. I don't understand how you allow a defender to pass the ball out from the four-yard mark. You know, how? Why is there no one there throwing their body in? It was wild to me. Uh, I just feel like the penalty is what everyone's going to remember. I get it. But you have to look back at this game, and it wasn't put to bed when it could have been. Yes, the penalty is obviously the clear an obvious chance to get back into the game, but there were far many other opportunities for other players as well. So on the French side, both teams, same starting lineup from their previous match. On the French side, Olivier Giroud obviously is the star here with the goal that ends up deciding it. Uh, Chouamani's goal was surprising and incredibly well taken. Antoine Griezmann set up the assist. He had both assists in this game. France did what we expect. I I think we called it last night as we talked about this game. The French defense looked shaky. Mm -hmm. That played out. I thought Bukayo Saka had to have a big game for England to advance. He did have a big game. He earned the first penalty. I thought he played really well. What didn't happen for England outside of just converting your chances? I think that we just... I I don't know. I look back and I really just look at the chances. I think about Mm -hmm. the opportunities and I think that was the key pivotal thing. I talked about us needing to set that tone. I think we allowed France an opportunity to breathe when we missed those opportunities. We allowed them an opportunity to grow into the game. I thought Saka was outstanding, honestly. I don't think the French were able to handle him. We saw him getting fouled. We saw him getting fouled and not get given the calls as well. But we won't moan about the referee too much because (laughs) there's a lot of English people out there that are pointing fingers at the referee and saying they changed the game. No. Was it frustrating to watch? Absolutely. Was there maybe a foul far, far away from the build-up in the first goal? Yes, but it was a long time coming. There was a lot of other errors in between there. Uh, I do think that we had a few poor giveaways early on in the game. That's a moment I look at as well where we gave... France, some opportunities trying to play it out the back, and we thought we might do that, having seen us do that against Senegal. But, yeah, I think the biggest reason we lost this game was not capitalizing on this momentum we had at nil-nil. We had momentum at nil-nil. We had opportunities at nil-nil. We allowed France to get that leading goal, and that was a problem to me. Yeah, I feel like if I'm looking at anything to try to to find issue with the way that England played or the, the way England approached it, 
I would have had Harry Kane take the second penalty as well. There's no question about that for me. Um, the other penalty shout I don't think was a penalty. I thought it was a foul outside the 18, um, and it should have been called on the field as a foul outside mm-hmm. the 18 because you can't give that after VAR. That's something I do wish they would change. Since referees will use VAR to look at a red card or a possible red card and then give a yellow instead, if you look at that as they did <sighs> mm-hmm. and you say, well, it's not a penalty, but it's a foul that wasn't called on the field, you should be able to do that. A hundred percent. That would be that's a, a great improvement. It's a great improvement. You're looking at it anyway. They're yeah. looking at it to see if it's a penalty. They spent that time. Yeah. You've made the game pause. Come up with something. Give it a solution, a resolution. And guess what? You'll see a lot more com- less complaining mm-hmm. from fans because then you have an opportunity to educate. You're able yeah. to tell them, hey, it wasn't a penalty because the foul began outside the box or it was outside the box. The contact didn't happen. He fell into the penalty box. Mm-hmm. You can educate. And education is a huge part of referees getting more respect because a lot of the time when we're disagreeing with referees, I admit it myself. Sometimes it's because we haven't understood the reasoning. I think education and communication is key, and this would be a great way to enhance that. Yeah, I I think it would be key. That's something that should change. Uh, The Portuguese had some issues with the referee today. We'll talk about that. They had some very weird complaints about the referee. We'll get into it in in our next segment as we look at that game. Uh, France moves on. We'll talk about them later tonight as well because we'll get into the semifinals, but I want to get into what's next for England because it felt like it was moving forward. I think Gareth Southgate's done a great job. He gets them to a World Cup semifinal, gets them to a Euro final, gets to a quarterfinal here. This is a toss-up game. I mean, you come into it, both teams are highly ranked. It's a toss-up game. I don't think he should be penalized for going out where he did because of the draw of the tournament. But do you continue with Gareth Southgate? Do you feel like there is another ladder for him to climb with this team? Such a tough one because we talked about it with Greg Berhalter as well. We have to be careful if you don't know if the grass is greener. You know, I think what's really important is who is the person that everyone thinks is going to do a better job of Southgate. And I can't think of someone off the top of my head that's going to swoop in and work magic and suddenly change everything. I think that... There are some criticisms about Southgate today, maybe with the substitutions, maybe with the changes, maybe not giving someone like Grealish, who I think deserved more time, particularly with the way the game was going with France committing fouls, with France losing their heads defensively with Griezmann on a yellow card. I think you should be putting in a player that draws more fouls than anyone in the Premier League onto the pitch in this game in order to give you that advantage, particularly when set pieces had looked very good for England as well. They had looked dangerous. We see the almost goal right at the end from Rashford as well. So there are questions about what he did, but at the same time, I think you're right, Jason, one of the reasons why this feels so underwhelming, I think, for England as a whole is because, as you mentioned, a semifinal, a final. Now it's a quarterfinal. It feels like a step back. But the performances on the pitch haven't been a step back. And the team that you faced has not been a step back. And like you say, it feels like two of the best teams in this World Cup, unfortunately, ended up, because of the way the draw went, facing each other in this quarterfinal. This could have very easily been a final in terms of the quality on the pitch. And I don't think that's fair for English fans to feel like we failed because of the fact that we were playing against France, who may well, who knows, be the eventual winner. Yeah, it feels a little bit like the U.S. after the 2010 World Cup where Bob Bradley did get a contract renewal but was maybe on a short leash. And when he didn't win the Gold Cup the following year, 
that's where they made the change. Now, I think Sunil Gulati was waiting for the opportunity to hire Jurgen Klinsmann regardless, mm-hmm. but the opportunity was given to him. Maybe that's the route you go here because there's not somebody out there on the sidelines who would be an improvement over Gareth Southgate, in my opinion. There's nobody that's out of work right now, and you're not going to have somebody leave a top club job to take the national team job right now. You're not going to hire Steven Gerrard and think it's going to get better than Gareth Southgate. No, I really hope not. It's just that doesn't make any sense. So I think you continue, and I think you're basically in a situation where, hey, you've got to qualify in style for the Euros, and you might have to win the Euros to keep your job. And if that's the progression that's needed, then that's where it's at. But you always run this risk of expecting to get better by hiring somebody else. And I don't think that's an easy answer here. And the players respect Southgate. I think it's really important to see that chemistry is good in this team. I think it's important to see that camaraderie is good in this team. Our guest yesterday talked about how Southgate is able to get the best of these players when wearing the English jersey. That is key. He is able to get club players that maybe aren't performing for their club to perform for him. That speaks a huge testament to him. Absolutely. We're going to talk more about Gareth Southgate. We're going to talk more about England. But coming up next, the biggest surprise in this World Cup so far, the first African nation to make the World Cup semifinals. How did Morocco do it? We'll tell you in five minutes on 92.9 The Game and on the Odyssey app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Atlanta Soccer tonight, hanging out in the Kia Studios in Midtown Atlanta. Jason Longshore and Jessica Charman. We did have another game to talk about, Jess, and it was a shock result. Even though Portugal maybe turned some heads with their big win over Switzerland, I wasn't fully convinced by them. I thought they had enough to get past Morocco. Morocco, the surprise story of this tournament, the first African nation to make it to the World Cup semifinals, and they did it the same way that they've done everything in this tournament. They've only conceded one goal, and it was an own goal, defensively just shutting teams down. It's just incredible that they continue to be able to do it, Jason. I think that we had our doubts that maybe fatigue would kick in, that maybe they had reached their max ability to do this. And it just feels like they keep finding that second win. They keep finding that energy. They keep finding that reserve from somewhere deep down inside them. I do think the fact that they're, you know, waving the flag for Africa, waving the flag for the Arab nations is helping. They feel very motivated, very proud to represent their country in that way as well. As you mentioned, first African team to make to a semifinal of a World Cup. Absolutely incredible statistic, but they're not here by chance. I no. think that's what's so important to note. There may be some people saying, oh, they're playing negative soccer or they're, they're just getting lucky. No, this is an incredible tactical performance. We are witnessing incredible coaching, incredible understanding of a team's strength and of the players fully buying into a very difficult system to play. It's not easy to play this way. It's mm -hmm. not easy to have to close down continually. It's not easy to prevent and frustrate teams in the way that they've been able to do. But I think we said, I don't think Portugal were all that. I thought they cruised against the Swiss, but the Swiss laid down and died. They didn't put up much fight at all. It wasn't yeah. really a competitive game because the Swiss weren't an opponent. Today, Portugal faced an opponent, and they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle the frustration. Yeah, you saw them losing their heads at times. You saw the frustration of not being able to break down this Moroccan team. Uh, the goal, Yusuf and Nesedri, what a header. The vertical on that guy to get up over the goalkeeper who can use his hands, who doesn't get off the ground hardly. I had questions about the Portuguese goalkeeper in general in the tournament. Hmm. Yeah, to get outplayed in that moment because he was late to it. No man's land. Didn't get off the ground. Didn't get any help from a center back either. But that header, that was all Morocco ended up needing. It's a brave, brave header. Let, let's firstly praise the forward for the idea yeah. that he's going in, he's throwing his body, and he's got that aerial, like you say. He's outjumped the keeper. Impressive. But what's he doing? The goalkeeper. What If you're going to make that decision to come, you've got to do it quicker. It was like his feet got stuck. He got caught in the no man's land. Was he going to come? Was he going to go? You can praise the delivery as well. That's a dream ball. That's Great the ball, ball you're always trying to put in. The one that makes the goalkeeper lured into, oh, I'm going to stay at home. Oh, no, 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 no. I've got to go get it. Defensively, poor play. Offensively, perfect play. And it was nice to see Morocco get that goal. We said they needed a goal in this one. We felt like it was a very important 
task for them to to achieve and they were able to get the goal which gave them that cushion i think it also gave them that second energy resource once you had a goal to celebrate it gave them the belief now that they could continue to see out the game yeah i felt like they needed the goal maybe earlier than it came and and maybe that's a credit to their defense and portugal's lack of really grabbing the game because I, I thought Morocco would need this in the first 15 or 20 minutes. That's what I said last night. They ended up getting it in the 42nd. Portugal really wasn't in this the way that I expected them to be with so much talent. I have questions about the way Fernando Santos managed this team throughout the tournament. Uh, let's start from the goalkeeper, Diogo Costa. We saw the near goal that he almost gave up, one of the, <laughs> the blunders of blunders that oh. didn't happen because Inaki Williams slipped earlier in the tournament. I think this goal is at least somewhat on him. It's I would 80% say. on him. Yeah, pretty large. I would have maybe gone a little less, but that's okay. Um, Diego Costa has been linked with Premier League goalkeeping positions, and I'm just not seeing it. On the bench? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not seeing it with that. Uh, Joao Cancelo not starting on a regular basis. I don't get it. Cristiano Ronaldo finally not starting. I do get, but I don't get bringing those two in in the 51st minute. Why don't you just bring them in at halftime? Yeah. Like you're and not. And you don't use a sub window. Exactly. That's what the, it, it, it's not an understanding of the rules of substitution. Use it. What's the difference in six minutes later? What did you learn in six minutes that meant that you now had to change it? It's wild. Nothing. It's It's a waste there. And that's something that you have to learn how to manage those now. I feel like that wasn't managed well. Uh, I feel like waiting as long as they did for Rafael Leal to come in wasn't managed properly. I don't like how Portugal tried to get back in this game because I feel like in the second half, I mean, what did they really create here? Two shots on target. And full credit to Morocco. Again, I'm not trying to take away from Morocco here, but Portugal, with that kind of talent, that kind of attacking talent, I mean, the the chance that I keep coming back to for them is the Cristiano Ronaldo chance late. That's a good save from Bono, where Ronaldo took it very quickly. Dangerous. We've seen him score that goal before. Good save from Bono. Not a great save, but a good save. The, the chance that I keep going back to is probably the Bruno Fernandes quick turn that is maybe a cross, maybe a shot. What else did they create? Yeah, it, it really is looking back at it. The starvation of Morocco, though. They know how to starve you of opportunities. They know how to frustrate you. I think it's important to note two things can be the same, even if they don't seem like it. True. It's true that Morocco were brilliant. It can also be true at the same time that Portugal were underwhelming, right? And I think we saw the vanilla Portugal that a lot of people had described them being as. There just wasn't anything quite there to spark. There wasn't that energy that you were looking for that moment of creativity it was very flat and I wonder if you know becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy teams know how Morocco is going to play and it's almost like Portugal were like believing that they were going to become the next Spain believing that they were falling into that trap and you saw it in their body language you saw it in their facial expressions as the game continued they had no ideas there was no ideas on the pitch for them no it was surprising to see them Resort to playing longer passes, just not being able to figure things out. Uh, 35 clearances for Morocco in this game, two for Portugal. I mean, it tells you, you everything about this. So Morocco going forward, they've got to do it again now against the best attacking team maybe left in the tournament, maybe in the tournament as a whole in France. Can they? 
Oh, you never want to count them out. I'll say you never want to count them out. I think they should have learned a lot from England today. England was able to keep Kylian Mbappe under control. They still yep. fell short with the, the beautiful long-distance goal and the header from Giroud. But I think you've seen that you are able to control the French with a press, with disrupting them. I think they'll do a better job than England did, honestly, because they seem to be very well trained in that. Do I think they can do it for 90 minutes against the French? I think that would be the game of eternity if they're able to do it. What's interesting about this, and we, we've already seen Morocco take out Spain. We've already seen them now take out Portugal. So Morocco has reclaimed the Iberian Peninsula. Um, if, if you know your history, it gets a little interesting for this path that Morocco is on as now they are facing another nation that their history is wrapped up with. And there's a lot of, I mean, it's going to be interesting in a city like Paris where Paris, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe they have the largest Moroccan population outside of Morocco. So you're going to get into some very interesting situations. Mm -hmm. A number of players in the past who could have represented Morocco represented France. So you do have an emotional aspect to that side of it. You also have the emotional aspect of the crowd. And the crowd is going to be very pro-Morocco. The element here, and I think it's kind of the same story. We're going to get into this as we go this week as well. We'll get deeper into this match and, and give you more talking points. I feel like if Morocco gets the lead, how does France handle it? Because they looked rattled at times today against England. Do they get rattled with that crowd and with knowing that Morocco is not going to give up a lot of chances? Can Morocco come back if they fall behind? That's the part I'm not so sure of. Yeah, I think the scariest part of this Morocco side would be chasing a game. I think that so often they're holding for that nil-nil and just trying to nick a goal. I think chasing a game, having to open up, Having to do more would really be a struggle for them. But listen, anything is possible. We've seen some crazy results in this game. I wouldn't be putting juice boxes on a Morocco victory, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make it very difficult and very frustrating for the French. It could be an exhausting match for the Labouts. Now, I've been really on the, the case here for the Golden Glove winner being Livakovic of Croatia. How close is Bono of Morocco to that? Pretty close. Honestly, I think he's pretty close with the caliber of the saves he's yeah. making. He's been brilliant. He's so big. He's so strong. He's really good with his decision-making as well. That's what I love. I think we saw the difference in decision-making between the two goalkeepers, honestly. The way that Bono comes out, holds his ground, sets his feet, doesn't anticipate that Cristiano Ronaldo one. Mm -hmm. Perfect example. It's a comfortable save because he doesn't try and guess. He doesn't throw himself to the ground. He stands big and is able to react and then smother onto the ball. I think he's been brilliant. I really have enjoyed watching him. And I think that the underrated part of his performance is his communication. Defense ahead of you does not look that tidy without the goalkeeper communicating and leading back there and being the eyes and the ears of his defensive unit. And he just looks like he's a leader back there as well. So both semifinals kind of set up to have the same character here mm -hmm. with a team that you expect goals to come from in Argentina or in France against teams that defend and have been stingy in giving up chances and giving up goals. Now, they do it very different ways. Croatia and Morocco, very different personalities as a team. But it feels like in both games, you have a clear favorite. You have a clear team that you expect to carry the play and score goals. And you have a team that you expect to defend, maybe from a deeper position, 
and try to hold the other team off. It feels like the storyline of both games is about the same. Yeah, it feels like we're going to be watching a double maybe during the time. I think we're going to get 120 minutes, though, in the Croatia game, don't you? That's going to be their goal at least. <sighs> Did you really have to say that? As an Argentina fan, I am not looking forward to more extra time and definitely not against Croatia. <laughs> They're the key. They're the absolute geniuses when it comes to those moments. But these semifinals are amazing. They're amazing. They were unpredictable. I would like to know whose bracket had these two semifinals because <laughs> nobody I know, nobody, and I have a lot of soccer connections, yeah, nobody same. I know had this. I don't know about you. No, there's always somebody in the world, whenever you have these, whether it's NCAA tournament or, or whatever you're looking at, there's always that one random person who probably like filled out jersey colors, jersey colors, or like put in 20 different brackets into the contest who picked random things to happen. Croatia getting to this point. Okay. Mm -hmm. Argentina. Yes. France. Yes. We both had those. Uh, I thought you said France wasn't getting out of the group. Ooh, you're right. I did. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> Got have you, that. Jason. I, but I have the potential winner. My bad. I, I could have the winner of the tournament because I had Argentina to win it. I did not have France. You had France. You you picked France to beat England, by the way. I did, and it, it came through. It was It was meant to be reverse That's psychology, and it, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. You did have Argentina and Brazil in the other semifinal, right? I did. Yeah, I think most people did. Croatia is not a giant surprise, but it's a surprise. Morocco, I just can't imagine anybody had had them in a semifinal. And now they're here. And look, when you get to the stage, and I think this tournament has shown it as well as any other competition we've seen, anything can happen when you get here. If goalkeeper has a big day, you know, we've said you got to have player, you got to have a player who can win you a game. You got to have a player who can keep you in a game. I think all of the goalkeepers that are left are good enough to keep their team in the game. They get on one. Hugo Lloris is maybe the fourth out of the four. And say, he had a good day today. Yes. I had talked a little bit not so politely about Lloris, and it came back to bite me on the behind mm -hmm. because he was wonderful today. He was great. And he's uh, honestly, I think I'd probably rate him ahead of Emiliano Martinez in the run of play. I, I think, mm -hmm. uh, Debu's looked a little shaky at times in the run mm -hmm. of play, but then if you get into penalties, he turns into Superman. He, he took the cape from Memo Ochoa earlier in the tournament. Um, but then, obviously, Argentina has players who can win the game for you. Obviously, France has players who can win the game for you. I think Croatia has players that can win the game for you. I, I think Perisic, I think, I think Luka Modric, obviously, those are players who can win a game for you. Morocco's the harder one on it, but as we saw today... Maybe it's a little bit more of the team play winning the game for you as opposed to one focal point. Yeah, I think it has to be. Uh, I think that you're going to have games where there's a moment of magic from an individual player, right? But 90% of it has to be a team effort. It has to be collaborative because at the end of the day, as you saw with France, England was able to keep Mbappe silent. It took other players to step up. You can't be so focused on one player because... Teams can shut that player down. It's about having quality across the pitch and being able to gel together like Morocco did. Let's be honest. Star names in Morocco, not too many. You know, not too many household names. But collaboratively, those 11 players on the pitch, no one's going to work harder, no one's going to work smarter, and no one's going to be as together as a unit. Yeah, Hakim Zayic may be on that list of a guy who can win a game for you at this stage. Maybe. There's definitely some questions there. We got one more segment. We're going to come back and get everything in place for semifinals coming up next week. 
World Cup final next Sunday. Atlanta soccer tonight will be back in five on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Final segment, Atlanta soccer tonight. Hanging out in the Kia Studios in Midtown Atlanta. Jason Longshore, Jessica Charman putting a bow on the quarterfinals of the World Cup. We didn't get a chance to talk about it with the Portugal-Morocco game. Refereeing has become maybe a bigger topic of conversation as the tournament has gone on, unsurprisingly. I mean, people have to, to gripe about referees. Uh, the referee in the Netherlands-Argentina game, I don't think anybody liked uh, Lajos is somebody who's well-known in European circles, Champions League, La Liga. He, he's got running feuds with teams and, and people involved in the game. I felt like he wanted to be the center of attention. I felt like he probably got it right not sending anybody off except for maybe Paredes in that from Argentina. Mm-hmm. But he also didn't stamp down the emotions and it could have gotten out of hand it ended up not there was one send-off which wasn't even really all that evident from the the broadcast Denzel Dumfries got two yellows during the shootout (laughs) which shows you how aggressive that game was but interestingly uh, Portugal was very unhappy with the referee today which I I don't know why I don't know why either I'll I'll give you the quote had a player sent off they did and that was that might end up hurting them a little bit in terms of depth but Bruno Fernandes, this is what he said after the game, and this is translated to English from Portuguese. I don't know if they're going to give the cup to Argentina. I don't care. I'm going to say what I think and them. It's very strange that a referee from a team that whistles us is still in the cup. They've clearly tilted the field against us. That is Bruno Fernandes of Portugal talking about the Argentine ref from the match. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, that's kind of my I reaction. I just feel like, can't you just accept you didn't have a good game? It, it, for me, a poor workman blames their tools, right? And it just feels like he's looking for a scapegoat there. 
with the referee. I think you're looking for an excuse. I get it. Maybe it's a little bit of a weird conflict of interest. Argentina do are still there. It's on their side, perhaps. Mm. But I don't understand. I don't think there's any. These are professional referees. They're not going to ruin their career to blow a whistle to try and favor Argentina in some capacity, and it's too far removed. It's not that close of a connection. Well, it's so funny that that, that gets said when we have had on on U.S. commentary during the tournament. Uh, Ian Dark was talking about talking to referees and talking to English referees who were still at the tournament. And if England had made the final, an English referee could not do the final. Mm-hmm. And Ian Dark said, and I think it was half-joking, that, you know, you get referees rooting against their country if they want to have a chance to do a World Cup final or a World Cup semifinal. So, like, what Bruno Fernandes is saying is kind of the opposite of that. I don't think the referee affected that game at all. No. No. There wasn't anything that I can think back to that I'm like, yeah, I, I that affected that. I didn't like the, the red card. I thought it was a soft second yellow. I wasn't 100% sure about it. And if anything, that favored Portugal. I just think that Portugal didn't play as well as they could have. They didn't maximize their opportunities. And now they're looking for someone to blame. And the only people you can blame is yourself, right? Yeah. In my opinion, for Portugal, absolutely. And they've got to make a decision that a lot of countries that have been knocked out of this tournament have made about what's next. We talked about it with Gareth Southgate. I think it's a little bit tougher decision there. Fernando Santos has been in the job even longer than Southgate. Mm -hmm. He was there in 2016. He won the Euros in 2016. I think the luster of that trophy probably dimmed a good bit Mm -hmm. now, and it's time to move on for Portugal. We'll see what direction they go. I just I, I think it's time for Portugal to move on in general. You know, the, the conversation has come up throughout this tournament about Cristiano Ronaldo. Let him go. <laughs> it, it's time. I, I think he, he showed in the second half he really had one impactful moment. And, he, and look, he, he got a good shot off. It saved. He didn't do anything wrong in that except he didn't convert. He didn't do what he's done so long in his career. Outside of that, I can't really think of, of anything that he significantly impacted the game. And that if anything, it turns into a little bit of a black hole effect because when you have that huge figure in your team, and he'll always be that for Portugal every time he puts the shirt on, you get younger players deferring to him. You get players trying to feed him, trying to force the ball into where he can be dangerous rather than playing. I don't think Portugal is as good as they can be with him on the field. And that was a tough decision for Fernando Santos. I mean, it would have been incredibly gutsy to leave him out completely. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't make them better. It's time to move on from Fernando Santos. It's time to move on from Cristiano Ronaldo for Portugal. And on the Ronaldo thing, you've got to protect his legacy. I actually think you're doing him more damage as an icon by letting him continue to play and people are now seeing this Cristiano Ronaldo he's not the same guy it's not really fair on the positive moments that he's had for Portugal when he's out there a shadow of the former self we've talked about it aerially still still pretty world class still world class everywhere else he's just not there anymore and I think you just have to realize at some point that you have to move on you've moved on from David Beckham you know what I mean like that's kind of how it feels it hurts but at least we remember the David Beckham that we all knew and loved now because we didn't try and keep playing him when he was turning 40. You, like, you would sorry. have you would have liked to have brought him out of the stands, though, for that last free kick, oh, wouldn't you? As I was watching him 
To be fair, Rashford did pretty well. He did. Half an inch back. He did. Half an inch back, but man, no one no one quite like Bex on those ones. The, the Beckham free kick against Greece to get to 2002 oh. is still one of the greatest things I've ever seen <laughs> watching it. And the call is all just, it's, it's an amazing story. We have a question from Ernesto Osejo who asks, uh, he says France is the best team left. He says, do you think there's any chance Argentina can beat them if they both reach the final? And they will both be heavily favored to reach the final. Of course they can. I mean, How I, do they do it? I, I think they just have to take a leaf out of England's book in terms of the defensive way. I thought we did very well defensively in moments. I think you saw how you need to have pace on your wingbacks to be able to prevent Mbappe. I thought uh, Walker did a very good job. Uh, putting him in his pocket most of the game. I he thought did. that was very well done. Uh, I think that you have to be able to try and silence Griezmann a little better than we did. I thought he was still able to have too much of an impact when he's a quality player. Uh, I think you have to make sure you don't lose your heads because these games can get quite heated. I think composure would be key. And then you've got to find those goals. But I think where I fancy Argentina, if this matchup happens, is in front of goal. You've got quality. France looked mm-hmm. shaky defensively. Yeah, they do. Look at the opportunities. Look at how many opportunities England had. They could have had three. They could have had four goals. Argentina are going to have those tricky players as well, the likes of Saka, that can't, the equivalent of Saka, mm-hmm. rather, on the mm-hmm. pitch, that caused nightmares for the French defense. They couldn't stop committing fouls. And I think that they would be okay. I, I think it would be a fantastic game. But I wouldn't say that France is the favorite overwhelmingly going into that. For me, having watched today's game, I think they would be the favorite going in. I do. I think they, I think the attack is what would make them the favorite. Mm-hmm. Having, you know, the probably, um, and people argue this, and I'm like, look, I'm a, as big of an Argentine fan as you're going to find who, who wasn't born in Argentina, but it's easy to say that Kylian Mbappe is the best player in the world right now. <laughs> I, I think Lionel Messi can still be the most impactful player in the world. He, he definitely can. He can win a game for you. But Mbappe does it in a different way. And, and I think him being in that team, Antoine Griezmann being the best playmaker in this tournament, I think maybe being the best player in this tournament that isn't getting the love that he should mm-hmm. be getting. Griezmann has been incredible. Uh, Usman Dembele has been okay. He, He'll miss. Yeah, it's very up and down for him. Giroud is going to be a handful for any team, but I feel like Argentina's center backs can match up with him better than they did against the, uh, the Giants that the Dutch found on mm-hmm. the bench. Um, that's a tough matchup for anybody, by the way, let alone Argentina, who's not the biggest team in the back. Um, I, I think the game honestly comes down to a little bit more of a mental game between Argentina and mm-hmm. France. And, and if if you're looking at it from that perspective, I think Argentina has the advantage by a significant amount. Let's go back to a lot of what happened yesterday. And it, that Argentina-Netherlands game is going to be studied in psychology classes for decades <laughs> upon decades because you had so many different things going on in that game. You had Argentina, look, maybe uh, amplifying disrespect. Um, Louis Van Hall said some things about Argentina and the buildup and being confident. Andres Nopert goalkeeper said some things about being confident and being able to do his job and maybe that got amplified a little bit if, if you've seen the last dance uh, about the the Chicago Bulls and Michael mm-hmm. Jordan where the the classic meme now um you know and I took that personally 
that's what it kind of felt like to a degree yeah. uh, of Lionel Messi taking everything personally going into this game. Emiliano Martinez taking everything personally going into this game. Even Lionel Scaloni, the manager, taking things personally. And it came out after the game, but it also came out in the game. Argentina lost their heads when they they couldn't deal with the physicality. But France has not looked like a strong team mentally in this tournament. And I don't think that magically appears in a semifinal where they're going to get tested by Morocco. If they get to the final and Argentina starts to get rolling on them, I don't think France can handle it. I think the mental side is what would give Argentina the ability to beat France. Yeah, uh, I think that you saw France and their frustrations today when England scored. I think you saw France and their mentality when they gave up that second penalty. Mm-hmm. The, the de- even giving up that second penalty, the decision-making, while flustered. Mm-hmm. Absolute madness. Foul. What are you doing? You're not looking at the ball. Mount's going nowhere. It's one of the worst fouls I've ever seen in terms of idiocy. Like, uh, I'm sorry, it's idiotic. What are you doing? Like, that mm-hmm. is a... Schoolboy Aaron, the fact they tried to petition it when he's not looking at the ball, it's not shoulder to shoulder. You shove the guy over. <laughs> just it's runs wild. through the back. It was crazy. But I think that almost encapsulates this French mentality of poor decision making while flustered. Mm-hmm. And I think Argentina has the ability to fluster. But I will say both these teams have big semifinals before we even get to this potential final. And I don't think either Croatia or Morocco should be overlooked because no. even if they weren't expected to be in this position i think that with the performances they put in they deserve to be in this position i think argentina is going to continue down the road that they did against the netherlands i think if you want to set up the revenge tour you can easily do it because croatia demolished argentina in the 2018 world cup in the group stage made argentina look bad in that game so okay revenge (laughs) we're gonna get you back for that and then if they get france in the final well france knocked them out in 2018 so, I mean, you've got things to build on. I'm sure that, that Messi will be trying to find something that Didier Deschamps said He's going to be looking back point. at press conferences right now, seeing yeah. who has talked nasty about me. Who can I get on my naughty list to go <laughs> and just prove them wrong and do the celebrations as well? I, I can just see Lionel Messi sitting in the locker room like Michael Jordan was. I don't think Messi will have a baseball bat in his hands, but just sitting there just Maybe, I don't know if Messi smokes a cigar, but just sitting there like, mm-hmm, yep. Just getting his mind Feed right. it into my veins. I'm getting yeah. ready for revenge. To see Lionel Messi, who generally people have described as a mute. Just he doesn't talk a lot. He's not really showing anger very much. To see him mocking the opposing manager during the match with a celebration referencing something the opposing manager did 20 years ago, to see him go celebrate with Emiliano Martinez when everybody runs to Lautaro Martinez after the game, that was that was beautiful to see. And to see him mocking Wout Weghorst, who was just wanting to shake his hand after media, and he's saying, que miras bobo. It's like, what are you looking at, dummy? Yep. Keep walking. Keep walking. People have tattooed K. Miras Bobo on them already in Argentina. There are already shirts you can go buy. It is the new phrase. Jason already ordered the shirt. No, I didn't. Not yet. It's coming. Not yet. Maybe after the semifinal. And we still got a few more shows to do till we get there. It's been fun hanging out in the Kia studios tonight with Atlanta Soccer tonight. We get a night off. We're not with you tomorrow. Monday. We will be live to get ready for Argentina, Croatia. 
We're back on on Tuesday. We're back on Wednesday. And in the finals next week, Jess, this thing is ramping up big time. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. We'll see you all on Monday night. Adios, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 